Uh, before I get into the Word, let me give you some fun mother facts. Are you ready, mothers? How many give me a drum roll for the woman that had the most kids in history? Biologically. Are you ready? Come on. All the mothers, give me a drum roll. You ready? Come on. Miss Valicia of Russia gave birth to naturally 69 children between the years 1725 and 1765. Y'all better give God praise right there. I mean, now I'm like, this has to be a joke. But that's what they say. Are y'all ready for the next fun fact for mothers? The oldest mother, Rosella Della Carter, she gave birth to a baby boy naturally when she was 63 years old in Rome in 1994. I guess the blessing of the Pope worked, didn't it? Amen. So, and the heaviest newborn, this doesn't give a name, but was in Singapore, and uh, this woman gave birth to a 22-pound, 8-ounce baby in 1955 in Italy. Amen. So can somebody just thank the Lord? I don't know about this, but this was this is pretty good. Um, let's just say this. <laughs> Mothers will change 7,300 diapers before the baby turns two years old. 7,300. I couldn't find any record for a husband changing those many diapers. But I did find mothers, all right? Um, women, it takes an average for a woman to 2.3 hours a day just to take care of an infant. Now, that's just changing diapers and feeding the diapers. But then it takes eight hours a day running after a baby. Isn't that crazy? Uh, the least favorite chore for women in America is vacuuming the steps. There are over 2 billion mothers in the world. The average age of a mother for the first time is 25 in America. Amen. And the number of kids in America born to women is approximately two. But in 1950, it was six. All right? So it has decreased. But that's all right. We praise the Lord anyway. Amen? So Miss Tiffany, don't get no ideas. We're not giving no six kids. All right? Amen. Oh, Kelly said she doesn't mind. Amen. How many is ready for the word? So I was... I want, to, I want to talk to you this morning, okay? I'm not sure if what I'm going to do this morning is called preaching, but I just want to share my heart. I want to share something with you. I want to share something with you that is dear to my heart, and I'm sure it's dear to you. Usually I spend hours and hours and hours preparing for a sermon. And uh, this year for Mother's Day, I certainly did prepare, but I prepared a different way. You know, there's only so much you could say at Mother's Day, 
You know, it's kind of like Easter and Christmas. You know, it's the same story. It's the same holiday. And there's only so many ways that you can repackage the narrative or the story. But it's still important. And we should still talk about it. Because it's good and right to always honor our mothers and our fathers that we live a long life. And you know and I know that we live in an age where there's so much disrespect and dishonor for our parents. It's amazing to me the disrespect and dishonor that I see children treating their parents with or spouses speaking to their other spouse in a disrespectful way. The, the idea of honoring people and loving people is almost a lost art. But if you read the scriptures, the one promise, the one command with a promise, if you really want to live a long life, is that's to honor your mother and father. Now, that doesn't mean that your mother and father is perfect. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you even have a good relationship with your mother and father. Because nowhere in Scripture does it give us some expectations that you need to check off before you honor your parents. You're called to honor your parents whether you have a good relationship with them or not. Or whether you have spoken to them or not. Or whatever hard feelings that you may have, you're still called to honor your mother and father. How would you feel? if your child would treat you the way that some people have treated their parents. You see, it's always different when the tables are turned on us. So we need to be very careful in the age that we live in that we properly honor people and that we love people in spite of their faults, in spite of their failures. I read, an, I read a little a quote that really just stuck in my heart. Have you, have you ever read a quote and it just kind of stung and you just never forgot about it. And I read a little quote, and you could sympathize with this, Lewis. You, you, you read it too, and we, we talked about it. And the quote said that grace is exemplified like this. The Apostle Paul was welcomed into heaven by those who he martyred. That's grace. The Apostle Paul murdered Christians. And yet, the Apostle Paul turned his life around and when he died, he was welcomed in by the very people that he martyred. That's grace. That's grace. Nobody deserves it. We don't deserve it, but yet it's given to us. And so the reason that we can honor people and love people, even though we may not have good relationships with them, is because we have decided that we're going to be a river and not a reservoir. That grace has been given to us. And because grace has been given to us, we freely give grace out. Amen? Isn't that what Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer? To forgive us of our debts as we forgive those who are debtors or those who have trespassed against us. You see, Mother's Day is, is hard. Some of us don't have good relationships with our mothers. Some of us maybe feel orphaned. Or maybe this is a season where you're grieving. Maybe you've lost your mother. And you just want one more time to talk to your mama. Just one more time. If I can just have one more day to talk to my mama, I know I'd feel better. You ever felt that way before? Well, maybe, you know, Mother's Day is you feel sad because she's not here. Or maybe you feel you know, the relationship's not the best and you don't feel as close to her as you normally have or like you have in times past. 
Or maybe you don't even have any biological children of yourself. And all the pomp and circumstance of Mother's Day, it kind of just gets to you. It's kind of like being single in the church. And everything's about marriage seminars, marriage this, marriage that, marriage this. And yet the single people sit on the church pews and nothing's ever said how they feel. You see what I'm saying? It's kind of like you feel like you've been pushed to the side. But I'm so glad that God is concerned about the married and he's concerned about the single. He's concerned about the mother. He's concerned about the barren mother. It's, he's concerned about all of us. He is the father. You, you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Sometimes it's hard at Mother's Day. Or maybe you're a mother today and maybe you don't get to see your, your child or your children a lot. Maybe there's not a good relationship with your children. And so maybe you feel a little orphaned by your children. You see, Mother's Day, it, it's, it's kind of like it has all kinds of feelings with it. I mean, there's kind of tension with it. There's celebration with it. There's laughter, but yet there's tears. And sometimes it's almost, it's just real difficult to try to navigate through it. It's, it's so difficult to navigate through it. But I was praying and I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't want to go to church and just preach a Mother's Day message. What do you want me to tell these people? I have plenty of resources and commentaries. I can get on the internet and pull sermon off. I mean, I've done this for 22 years. I can do it. I mean, I can get up here and do it and fake it. And I don't want to do that. So I really asked the Lord, what do you want me to tell some of these mothers who are struggling? Some of them are not struggling. Some of them feel good today. And that's good. And we celebrate with you. But some are struggling. Some just don't know how to feel. And the Lord really spoke to me. As a matter of fact, he spoke to me where I'm not even a mother. And I just got emotional because he touched my heart with this story. And so I want to share this story. Like I said at the beginning, I'm not sure if I'm preaching. I'm just kind of sharing with you what's been laid on my heart by the Lord. I want to look at two women in Scripture. I want you to look at two of them. And I want to ask yourself the question, what type of woman do you want to be? Now, if you're, you know, I'm talking to the men too, what type of person do you want to be? I want all of us just to open your ears and your hearts. And I just want you to listen just for a few moments. I'll, it's interesting to me that there are two women, especially in Scripture, that Jesus, well, actually there's three, that Jesus really said something about. For instance, uh, the angel said, to the Virgin Mary that her name would be blessed for all generations. So that's I think that's pretty significant. But then there are two other women that I want to kind of focus in that Jesus also mentioned. I never really put it together until I felt like the spirit revealed this to me. And I want to share it with you. And the first woman is found in Luke chapter 17. You don't have to turn there for the sake of time. Just look at it. Luke chapter 17. Verse 32, Jesus is given this discourse. He's talking about uh, the end of days, the tribulation period. He's talking about suffering and death. He's talking about perilous times. And in the middle of that narrative, that discourse that Jesus was given to his disciples, he said these words, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's 
wife. Now, folks, when I read that, I thought, how in the world does this relate to Mother's Day? How in the world does Lot's wife relate to Mother's Day? Now, let me just give you a brief synopsis of what's going on in the story. You know, Lot, Lot's wife doesn't even have a name in this story. So we'll refer to her as Mrs. Lot, all right? Mrs. Lot. We'll just, it's Lot's wife. So we'll say Mrs. Lot's wife, all right? She doesn't really even have a name in this story. But you know that God was going to, in the Old Testament, rain down fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says that God gave an opportunity for Lot and his wife and their family to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. So I'm just paraphrasing the story. They left the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. And what happens? She had a hold of the angel's hand. They're leaving, rushing out of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot's wife did something. She turned back. The Bible says she turned to a pillar of salt. She was leaving Sodom and Gomorrah. She's leaving the place of destruction. She's being rescued by the angel. But one last time, she turned back and she turned to a pillar of salt. The first woman I want to talk about this morning is this woman. And this is the woman that looked back. This, number one, is the woman that looked back. Women today, sometimes we can live a life of regret. Have you ever felt guilty before? Have you ever felt regretful? Man, I wish I could have one more talk with my mama. You have regret. I wish I could have done things differently. I wish I could just sit down one more time and tell her, I'm sorry. I wish I could have her one more time to tell her how much I appreciated her, everything that she's done. I want to tell her how much I appreciate her. Sometimes you have that ache in your soul called regret. Or maybe it's not regret. Maybe you had a great relationship with your mama, but you still reminisce and you wish you could go back because you feel safe. You feel comforted. You wish you could just turn back time and look back one more time. But I've learned one thing. If it's okay to reminisce about good times, nothing wrong with that. It's okay to celebrate good times with our family and friends and our mothers. But God has not called us to live in the past. God has not called us to camp out in the past. God has not called us to take up residence in the past. The book of Ecclesiastes says there's a time to live and there's a time to die. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to cry. We can't always go back, folks. We want to. If you had a good relationship with your mama, you want to go back and you want to feel safe again. You want to feel comforted. You want to reminisce the good times and the holidays. Those kind words and that gentle touch. If you have regrets in your life, you want to go back and you want to change it. You want to try to reverse it. You just want one more conversation. 
put yourself in Lot's wife. I, you know, I grew up in church. We, we've condemned her a lot. How, you know, she looked back even though she had the hand of an angel. You know, we preached sermons how Sodom and she was led out of Sodom and Gomorrah, but Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't out of her. But I've come today as a lawyer, and I want to defend Lot's wife. Here's a woman who lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. She lived there. She raised her kids there. She worked there. She loved her husband there. That was her family. That was her possession. That was, that was everything she ever knew. And there came a time where God said, I'm changing things. I need you to leave. It's hard to leave, folks. It's hard to make transitions in life. Let's give her grace this morning. She's leaving Sodom and Gomorrah. Her husband's ahead. He's ready to go. Because that's usually how men are, you know. Sometimes men just don't process things, you know. But it's Lot's wife. She stopped. I want to look one more time because i got some family members that's not going with me. I should have told them that we should have left. Just let me look one more time. Several years ago, my mom had, most of you know this, she had cancer. I didn't know how severe it was. Uh, but for the last 10 years of her life, uh, she was battling sickness. She had Crohn's disease, which was very severe. Then from Crohn's disease, it went to something else. And then she had some lung issue and pneumonia. And it just, you know, and then some sort of blood disease that she had. And so on and on, she was very ill the last 10 years of her life. And so I would leave here, as you know, most of you, and I would go to West Virginia to take care of my mama. I would lay on the floor at hospitals for weeks. This church was so gracious to buy me a hotel for weeks. And I would stay in a hotel taking care of my mama and then drive 18 hours back to try to pastor a church. The mental stress of it was almost exhausting because my other biological brother was in prison, so he couldn't take care of her. And so I had a very dysfunctional life, and there was no one... My grandmother, both of my grandparents were gone. So my mother didn't have, she had a twin sister that lived so far away. She was very close to her. It was her best friend, but she was limited as well. And so I felt the pressure to take care of my mama. So go back and forth. And so I remember she telling me, you know, Josh, I'm, I'm going to pass. So I remember I prayed that the Lord would just extend her life a little longer. And he certainly answered my prayer. And she, she lived much longer than anybody ever expected. And I had the opportunity to tell her how I felt. And she remembers sitting at the bedside one evening before I came back to Missouri. She said, I just want to let you know that I, I'm sorry that I wasn't the best mom that I could be. And I'm so very, very proud of you. And she said, if I could turn back the clock, I would change things. 
And she said, if there was ever, if there was anything in my life that my life was worth living for, it was because I had you. Now, those words really pierced my heart, you know. I said, oh, mama, you, you did a great job. I said, we all make mistakes. We all do. It's all right. It's all right. She would come to hear me preach as a teenage boy. I would be 14 years old, and I'd be preaching in the mountains of West Virginia, you know, those old country churches. My mama would come and hear me, and she would just sit on the front row and just cry and cry. She was so proud that her son was going to be a preacher. And although my life was so dysfunctional, that was, she, there was so many issues in the family and issues with her, I didn't realize until two years before she died, she confessed that her grandfather had molested her. And that she was raped when she was 12 years old by a 26-year-old man. And she said to me, the reason that I've struggled all my life is because I've had all these issues. And I didn't know how to deal with them. See, today we're more professional, aren't we? We tell people to go to counseling. We, we have people to deal with issues like that. But you got to understand in West Virginia, that wasn't the mindset. Churches just told you to grow up and get over it and pray through. You know, they didn't know how to reconcile issues like this. You know, and so I never knew that until the few years before she died. And so I started to understand people's pain better. You know, that's why I'm an affectionate person today, because I've been through so much of drugs and alcohol abuse. I've seen it all. I've seen my uncles commit suicide, take their life. I've seen it all. And I've just determined that life is too short to be cold. People are hurting and people need to be loved. Just, it's too. So forgive me if you don't like that I'm affectionate, but I am a human being with emotions and I love people. I love people. God has given me arms and hands and a voice, and I'm going to use it for the kingdom of God to let a lost and dying world know that there's hope. So, so in 2016, I got a phone call from my dad. He said, son, uh, your mom's in the hospital again. Now, this had went on for years and years and years. And so I wasn't too bothered by it because she's always in the hospital. And so he said, well, the doctor said cancer's in her brain now. But I talked to my mom. She said, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. She sounded alert and everything was fine. I was praying that Monday evening because it was Christmas week. And Christmas was on Sunday, Christmas service. This was on Monday. So it was a week away. And I told my mom, I promise I'll be back. I'll see you on Monday morning. After I get done with the Christmas service here, I will get in the car and come and see you and stay as long as possible. She said, that's fine, honey. You do what you need to do. I'm okay. But as I was praying on Monday evening, the Spirit said to me, I want you to go home. So Tuesday morning, as I was praying again, the Spirit said, I want you to go home. And I never did it. I stayed here all week, went to church on well, actually stayed here all weekend on Friday. I got a phone call that said that my that my mom was dying and she only had a matter of hours left. 
And instantly my heart dropped to my stomach because I thought I should have obeyed the Lord and went when I felt it to go. I get in the car and I start traveling. I got stuck in St. Louis for eight hours in a traffic jam in a car accident where a truck was over for eight hours in an ice storm. And my mama died as I was in a traffic jam. I cried all the way to West Virginia. Not because I didn't know where my mama would be, because she was saved. She got saved 10 years before she died. But I grieved for myself because of regret. I should have listened to the voice. So today, I've decided that I can't be Lot's wife anymore. And you can't either. Because I'm always telling myself, I just wish I would have listened to the voice and went home. At least I could have been there when she passed. Because nobody was there but my dad. My other brother was, you know, wherever. And I wanted to be there. I just wanted to say goodbye. I'll see you again. And so I struggled so much with regret for two years. I struggled with it. I just wish I would have obeyed the Lord. I just wish I would have obeyed the Lord. If I could just been there. And then I stand at the bedsides of people who are dying. And I hold their hand. In the first two years I did that, I had bitterness in my heart because I'm standing here holding your hand when I didn't hold my own mother's hand. But I've decided to let that go. Years ago, I let it go because I don't want to be a person that looks back. And you know what the Spirit said to me about Lot's wife? When she looked back, she became a pillar of salt. In other words, when she looked back, she became something that was paralyzed, unmovable, a pillar of salt. And when you always look back, you become paralyzed by the past. You become paralyzed by the past. You become a pillar of salt. There's no movement in your life any longer. You get stuck in a rut and you're not progressing any longer. You're not moving any longer when you're always looking back. You see, I can't go back and change anything that was done. And I said that. I told my story because I don't know your story. But whatever story you have this morning, and whatever regrets that you have this morning, I want to let you know that it's not worth looking back and regretting any longer. He understood and he knew you were going to do it anyway. And the Holy Spirit wants me to tell you today, it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. It's okay. Regrets will paralyze you. The second woman, and in closing, I want to talk about, is a woman that we've often heard of, is found in Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 16. Now Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper. 
The Bible says in verse 7, A woman came to him having an alabaster flax, a very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it over his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were very indignant, saying, Why is this waste? This fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble this woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but you do not always have me. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Verse 13. Surely I say to you that wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Hold on. The first woman is Mrs. Lot's wife. She looked back. She was paralyzed because of the regret. This woman, Jesus says, came. She's an unnamed woman too. There's no name given to this woman. But this woman comes in and takes some oil, a flask of oil, breaks it, pours it on Jesus. The disciples said this is a waste. Because let me tell you something. Nobody will understand the cost of your praise. They don't know what you've been through. They don't understand the hurt and the pain that you've been through. This woman was hurting. The Bible says that this woman was an immoral woman in the other synoptic gospel. She was a sinner. She comes broken to the Lord and breaks this alabaster box. And Jesus says, this is not a waste. You can have the poor with you always, but I'm not always with you. And Jesus said these words, that wherever the gospel is preached, this will be a memorial that what this woman did would be a memorial. Now, folks, that's a great statement from Jesus. Jesus is saying that wherever the gospel is preached, this woman, this woman will be remembered. Her very act of devotion would be remembered. There are seven continents in the world, and the gospel has been preached for 2,000 years And Jesus is alluding to the fact that wherever it's preached, this woman will be remembered for what she did. You see, the first woman is the woman that looked behind. She looked back. But this is the woman that I propose to you is the woman that looked ahead. What did she do? She took the alabaster box and she broke it, and she anointed his body for burial. So what was she doing? She was looking ahead. Oh, hallelujah. The disciples, listen to me, church, the disciples missed it. The disciples did not comprehend that Jesus was going to die. That's why one of them said, you're wasting this. They did not understand. But there was a woman that came into the room that she looked ahead. She didn't look back. 
she looked ahead and she had the revelation that this man is more than just a man. This is the son of God who is going to die and I am going to anoint his body for burial because he's going to die on Passover and they're not going to have enough time to put anointment on his body. So I'm looking ahead and I'm going to anoint his body today for the future. So, what are you saying? I'm saying that there are two types of people in the world. There are people like Lot's wife that live in regret and they look behind and they become paralyzed by their regrets and their fears and their hurt. But there is also another person, another woman. Does she have regrets? Certainly. Luke 7, verse 36, the same story is told in the other synoptic gospels. The Bible says that one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and they sat down. And the Bible says in verse number 37, and behold, a woman in the city was a sinner. This is the same story. The woman that looked ahead was a sinner. I'm sure she had regrets. I'm sure she struggled with regrets herself. But this woman made a decision. I can't always live in the past. I can't always change the past. And this immoral woman, this sinner, with all of her regrets, come to the Lord and said, Lord, I cannot go back and change anything I've done, but I have come here to realize that even though I can't look back, I'm going to look forward because there's more in the future than there is in the past. Oh, hallelujah. And what did she do? She took what she had. Some of you feel so regretful and you don't think that you have anything to offer the world. But the Lord says you have something to offer. She took what she had, even in the midst of criticism. Because there's going to be people that will criticize you. There's going to be people, women, that will look at you and say, you're not good enough. You don't dress good enough. You're not skinny enough. You don't have enough. You don't dress enough. You're not cool. There's always going to be the pressure of the culture, women. But this woman, in the midst of her faults and her failures and her inadequacies and her sinfulness and her hopelessness, she decided, I cannot live my life in regret any longer. Come into the master, and I'm going to give him everything I got. And I'm going to prepare my life for the future. And I've come to tell you today, you can't live in the past. You've got to pick yourself up. And you got to say to yourself, i got a better future than I ever had a past. Jesus said, whatever this woman does, she will be remembered in all the world. Because that's what happens. People who live with regret, they're the people that's not remembered. 
History don't remember people who live in the past. History don't remember people who live in regret. History remembers people who pick themselves up and they march into the future with their regrets. History writes about people who in spite of their sinfulness and their regret, they still march on to the future. She prepared his body for burial, an event that hadn't even taken place yet. She was looking ahead. John chapter 12 verse 3 eventually tells us who this woman is. The Bible says that she's Mary. See, if you piece all the Gospels together, it tells a collective story. Are you going to be the unnamed woman who looks behind and lives in regret and becomes paralyzed? Those people are not remembered. It's the woman. It's the person. In spite of their sinfulness and their regret, decide that they're going to move on to the future and they're going to look ahead and it is those people that have a name and it is those people that will be remembered. Listen, you can't change what you did in the past. You can change right now. You can start right now. You can dust yourself off and say, I'm ready to make a new start. I'm telling you today, listen to my heart. I'm telling you today, we serve a God who loves us so much that if you could just get one teardrop from his eye, just a little teardrop, your life would be forever changed. I'm telling you, your sin is just a piece of sand in the ocean of his grace. There is nothing that could stop you if you decide that Jesus is your everything. It is the woman who looked behind is the woman who looked ahead. You see, I was that person who lived in regret. Oh, I know the story probably don't mean anything to you, but it was my mom. I wanted to be there when she died. I wanted to be there. I didn't want a doctor or a nurse. I wanted to hold her hand as she made the transition to the next world. I remember coming back to church my very first Sunday back. I only took one Sunday off. Somebody came up to me, shook my hand, and said, well, I hope you're doing okay. When my mama died, I didn't take no Sundays off. You see, I sympathize with you. Because sometimes when you're hurting, people around you are so self-indulged in their self that they can't sympathize with the pain other people. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But because I'm a mature Christian, I put my arm around her and said, I love you anyway. I'm the shepherd, you're the sheep, I know better. 
I know better. I'm the father. You're the child. I know better. So I just brush it off and go on. But I want to let you know I understand. I get it. But I want to come today with a word from God today. God sent me to tell you. I didn't get it from a book. I didn't get it from a commentary. God sent me to tell you. Don't live in the past. It's not worth it. You can't change it anyway. God understands. And He loves you anyway. Just pick yourself up. And give what you have to give. He's not asking you to do anything that you don't have to do. He's asking you just give what you got with all of your tears. With all of your hair. With everything you got. Just give it to me. In spite of the criticism of the Pharisees. Just give me what you got. I'm asking you. The Holy Spirit is asking you. The Holy Spirit is speaking. He's asking you. Will you please go on with your life? Will you please pick yourself up? Go on with your life. Be free in Jesus' name. Because the afterlife in heaven is so much sweeter than the pain that you're dealing with today. Let it go. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. You see the correlation, don't you? The first woman became a pillar of salt. Now, in the Bible, salt, for the most part, is a positive thing. It can heal. It can preserve. But salt also hurts, don't it? Stings. You have salt with the first woman. But the second woman, you have perfume. Because when you live in regret, it hurts. But when you decide to move on, the pain is released. And it doesn't sting any longer. There is a perfume about you. There's a different air about you. There's a glow about you. Because you've decided that the real war in life is not the Republicans against the Democrats, and it's not the abortionists against the homosexuals, and it's not this is from this is and this and that, and it's not the pastor and the board. The real war is within us. Because you can be thrown into prison. And like the Apostle Paul, you can write the book of Philippians, which is a book of joy. I may be in prison, but that doesn't mean prison is inside of me. I may be in the lion's den, 
But that doesn't mean the lion's den is in me. Baby, let me tell you something. Your spouse will never make you happy. Your kids will never make you happy. The latest dress will never make you happy. The latest nail fashion will never make you happy. The only thing that will make you happy is when you get peace within yourself. Why is it that women will spend $100 on a dress, $300 on nails, and $200 on a hairdo and get a two-cent man? Somebody better help this pastor preach this morning. For the love of God, get with a man that has a job. Get with a man that's Holy Ghost filled. Get with a man that treats you like a queen. Get with a man that loves you like he loves his mama. Get with him. woman who looked back, the woman who looked ahead. And today, I've decided I'm looking ahead because I've seen the future. I've decided to live there. And I want to let this church know as your pastor, I believe in Christ Point Church. Hold on, before you clap, before you get happy, I'm just going to let you all know something. I'm here because I believe in this church. I love this church. I love the carpet. I love the paint. I love the signs. I love the bodies that sit in the chairs. I love everything about this church. And I'm here with you holding your hand because I want, if you got to, if I got to pull you over the finish line, baby, I'm going to pull you over the finish line. But I refuse to let anybody die in my hands. I refuse to let anybody give up under my watch. I am your coach today, and I've come to let you know the Holy Ghost has sent me to tell you, get up and go forward and let God Hallelujah. You can either be pitiful or you can be powerful, but you can't be both. You cannot be both. You cannot be pitiful and you cannot be powerful. The only person that can change your life is you. You can sit there and be depressed and despondent, but it's only you that can make up your mind. The battle is between the ears. Somebody can bring you flowers and toad on you and treat. No, no, no. But if the war is not solved in you, there's never peace. Be a, make a decision. I'm going forward. I'm going forward. Pushing my life forward. And I've decided to do that. And I've decided to push this church forward with everything I got. Now I prophesy and decree and declare over Christ Point Church that you are blessed. I prophesy that you are 
favored. I prophesied that you are strengthened. I prophesied that you are exalted. I prophesied the hand of God upon you. I prophesied that you are the head and not the tail. Some of you looking at me like you don't believe it, but your spirit is receiving what I'm saying. I prophesied that you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. I prophesied the devil is defeated and God is exalted in your life. I prophesied that you're going forward and you're leaving behind the oppression and depression and possession and I prophesied the Spirit of God is going before you like a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night that the Spirit of God is upon you to liberate you forward. Hallelujah. It's impossible for you to be defeated. It's impossible for you to give up. You cannot, and you got to talk to yourself because that's what I do. I get in the mirror and I talk to myself. Tell myself, you will go to church today with a good attitude, even though you saw people at Walmart buying Fruit Loops and they can't even come to church. You will not preach out of anger. You will preach in love. You see what I'm saying? For all you watching online today, if you're at Piggly Wiggly and Walmart and you're at the doctor's office and you're at the carnival and you're hooping and hollering and you can't come to church, I want to let you know you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. So I just throw that out there. Amen. Do you all still love me? I said, y'all still love me? Come on, somebody. I can't stand the hypocrisy. A hundred people be downtown waving waving their banners and their rainbow banners, and nothing's ever said. But when somebody comes to church, we act like the disease is here. Come on, somebody. I'm just going to shoot it like I'm saying it. Amen. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Are you smelling something what I'm stepping in? Y'all hearing me today? Come on. Are y'all hearing me today? And if you leave today, if you, hit a, if you throw a bunch of rocks at a pack of dogs, the one that barks the loudest is the one that's been hit. If you're sick, stay home. but don't be a hypocrite about it. If you're sick, stay home. If you're fearful, stay home, but don't be a hypocrite about it. Amen. That's all I'm going to say about that. Amen. God is good. Amen. Did you receive the word of the Lord today? I said, did you receive the word of the Lord today? Come on. I said, did you receive the word of the Lord today? Hallelujah. How many made a decision I'm going forward? I said, how many made a decision I'm going forward? Come on, stand to your feet. Come on. Get some get come on. Don't let you be don't be passive with your praise. Come on, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together. Hallelujah. If nobody leaving, if you're here, you say, Pastor, I have been the person. I've walked in regret and I need to be free today. Male and female, whoever you are, I want you to come forward quickly on the count of three. See, I want prayer today. Quickly. One, two, three. Quickly. Say, it's me. 
quickly. Get out of your seat. Can we give the Lord praise of the people that's coming today? Come on. Come on, somebody praise the Lord.